0: Welcome to the Talk Angry Podcast, your destination for Shocker basketball. Join us every episode from the Forge Audio Production Studio as we dive into game recaps, analysis, and interviews throughout the 2019-20 basketball season. And now, here are your hosts, Dustin Kuhn and Taylor Eldridge.
1: Welcome to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. On today's show, we will recap the big win downtown over the Sooners. We'll discuss the Shockers rocketing up in the rankings nationally. We'll also get you ready for Saturday's big matchup with BCU To help preview the Rams, we be joined by Wayne Epps Jr., who covers the team for the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Great show coming up right after this.
0: The Talk Angry podcast is brought to you by Forge Audio Productions. For all your audio and music production needs, Forge Audio is ready to deliver the highest quality production that serves the artist. To receive a free consultation or quote from Brian, visit www.forgeaudioprod.com. That's www.forgeaudioprod.com. Or follow the studio on Facebook or Instagram. And now back to the show.
1: Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. Taylor, last week's show, I think we can go back to the cut. I predicted a 5-7 to seven point win. The Shockers win 80-75. to 75. My l- I need to go to Vegas, baby. My luck's looking good. But it was a raucous atmosphere downtown. The first half, I was saying, you know, most of the fans were sitting on their hands the entire time, kind of waiting on something to get going. That big 12-0 run in the second half. You know, certainly had everyone on their feet yelling loud. It wasn't as full as maybe we hoped, but still a very nice atmosphere downtown. And we saw really a true team win for from the Shockers. You, you can point to a lot of different guys who had a role in this, whether it's on offense, defense, coming up with a big play. So once again, just great to see the progression from this team.
2: Absolutely, and to uh, start off, I mean, that's why you're the expert, man. I'm just riding your <laughs> coattails here. Uh, you're the one that's... Uh, well, you're TV's <laughs> own Taylor Eldridge
1: now, so right
2: back at you, bud. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, that's why we're such a good team. Uh, but yeah, you're right. You know, a lot of guys stepped up in this game. Uh, Sherfield gets a ton of credit. He's the one that flipped the, the game around midway through the second half. You know, I'm not going to lie. I thought WSU was, was pretty much done for when they got down by eight. The offense just was not you know, it was a lot of standing around, not a lot of great shots being produced, and then Sherfield finally found a way to uh, he basically figured out OU's ball screen defense, and even after a timeout when OU switched it, uh, he had more success against it. So, uh, but you know he's not the only one. You know Eric Stevenson did a lot of the heavy lifting early with a lot of those threes. Trey Wade, 15 rebounds, a lot of putbacks. Uh, Morris Udeze, you know a lot of offensive rebounds. Jaime Chanique takes that crucial charge in the second half against Doolittle. Tyson ATN another big-time defensive stand he had the go-ahead three in the final three minutes so a lot of different guys stepping up at different times for Wichita State to pull off another big-time victory and you already saw the benefit on Monday when the net rankings come out WSU all the way up to 14
1: Yeah, you know, it was such a different game than we saw against the Sooners last year. Down in Oklahoma City, OU wins by 32. They out-rebound the Shockers. They look kind of lost on offense a lot of times. Complete reversal. Wichita State plus 17 in rebounds, plus 22 in points in the paint, plus 22 in bench production. These are a lot of the same characters on both sides, you know, outside of Austin Reeves now getting to play. There's a lot of the same characters that played in this game last year. So it just shows the remarkable improvement that they've had year over year year they've now won 23 out of their last 28 ball games so you know it, it might it's finally starting to get recognized nationally but I think it's time for everyone here locally even to get behind these guys because they've been on a heck of a run
2: yeah absolutely and uh, afterward in that game uh, Marshall said in the post game press conference what a what a difference a year makes and you saw an absolute role reversal even during this season which is in terms of crashing the glass getting the job done on the rebounding battle and you know Oklahoma they give up uh they're not going to crash the offensive glass so you can take advantage of them there but uh the the way that WSU was able to offensive rebound OU is an excellent defensive rebounding team so for Trey Wade, Morris Udeze, uh, Jaime Echenique to to really beat them on the glass that was really really impressive and basically ever since that West Virginia game where they kind of got punched in the mouth they've responded and you know they have bullied two straight big 12 teams now. Here's another big stat that I thought was important in this game. They were
1: 90% from the free-throw line, 18 of 20. Dexter Dennis, he hits that first three-pointer of the day. Everyone gets excited. You know, is Dexter back? Not quite there on the offensive end just yet, but he goes 6 for 6 from the line. Sherfield goes 6 for 6 from the line. These guys are automatic, and in a game where, you know, got a little closer late than maybe Shocker fans wanted it to, that's important.
2: Absolutely. That was the the key to, to closing out this game, 11 of 12 in the last two minutes. And, you know, they might not win that because, you know, Austin Reeves went on a tear there, and then uh, OU hit a, a third three. They got within three, I think, twice. So. Banked three. Yeah, from the side In the too. bank. Yeah. A banked three in the bank. <laughs> yeah, so that was crucial for WSU to close out this game. You know, if they don't go 100%, OU would have had at least one possession to possibly tie that game. So things got a little scary on that last one, too. Uh, I think it was uh, when they were pressing and they threw it up ahead to Sherfield. If that if Sherfield doesn't make a great catch on that ball, man, that would have been pretty scary down the stretch for WSU. But 11 of 12 in the last two minutes, that's going to get the job done. Wichita State now eight and two in their decade down at Interest Bank Arena.
1: I know we were worried after those back-to-back losses, but it seems they have gotten back to their winning ways downtown. Really, I, I think the biggest theme of this show, or what I want to, you know, ask you, Taylor, is. I've already mentioned this, It's a lot of the same cast of characters. Yes, we have some great freshman guards, and there's been some some guys added, but what is the biggest difference in your mind between the 2018-2019 version and this 2019-2020 version we're seeing?
2: Yeah, you mentioned just the upgrade in talent, the upgrade in depth, and that's the biggest difference. You think back at that Oklahoma State game on the road, who was the best player? Jamarius Burton. He was the toughest guy on the floor. He really helped WSU's offense, 11 assists. Fast forward a week later, OU at home. JB Struggles, last year they didn't really have a second option to go to. They didn't have anyone that could save them off the bench. This year, plug-and-play Grant Shurfield. You know, he's a four-star guy, uh, big-time player. He's he's used to scoring the ball. And what he did that second half was, was really, really impressive for a freshman. You look at, uh, I mentioned the ball screen defense. That's basically how he flipped the game. Early on, they were forcing him. They were hard-hedging, forcing him to dribble backwards. And by the time he got around, you know, the defense had made his rotations. They had recovered. Nothing was there for WSU. In the second half, when, during the start of that 12-0 run, you'll remember he hit Jamie Echenique twice for a quick little 4 run. OU calls a timeout. He was able to, to manipulate the, the defense and uh, both times against Brady Manick. He really picked on, on him and uh, exploited him. And was scoring off the pass, so OU calls a timeout. Lon Kruger changes the ball screen defense. Uh, from then on out, he was having Manic, the big guy, drop back in coverage and basically daring Sherfield to make those mid-range jumpers, and that's exactly what he did. Three straight times after that that switch, he was able to attack. Austin Reeves was basically on him most of the second half, so he was able to beat Reeves, and he finished once at the rim, had a ridiculous one-handed floater from the free throw line, and then had another teardrop floater, and uh, he scored 12 of those 14 points in the last eight minutes of that game. So when WSU absolutely needed someone to step up, it was Shurfield, the freshman. And that's the difference in my mind is they have different – options you know one day one game that's stevenson another it's etienne Sherfield, burton you know they have so many different guys that can lead this team in scoring you also have all the
1: diversity that you have with the Big bin. They kind of have those, you know, the four-headed monster now where you just keep throwing them in there and, and seeing what happens. So you mentioned the net rankings. They came out. Shockers are at 14. Their Ken ranking is up to 34 in the country. And then on the two top 25 polls, the AP, about the equivalent of 29 in the, those uh, others receiving votes, uh, and 27, I guess you'd say, in the coaches' poll because VCU is currently tied at 25 in the
2: coaches' poll. So, you know, this is, this is going to be a good matchup coming up on Saturday. Absolutely, and Marshall said it uh, today in his press conference. You win on Saturday, you're going to be ranked. And you just think about the parallels between last season when you know they were so desperate for wins in January and December, and now they have a chance to go into the Christmas break rank top 25 already with their 10th win. So a lot at stake on Saturday. You know they've they bought themselves some cushion with uh, these back-to-back wins, but how sweet it would it be going into Christmas break 10 and one? three straight NCAA tournament wins, basically. So uh, a lot at stake on Saturday, and if the Shockers are able to win, man, they're looking really, really good to, to build that NCAA tournament uh, resume going into in, into conference play. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll get to know the
1: Rams, starting with Wayne Epps Jr., who covers the team for the Richmond Times Dispatch. To talk angry with Kuhn and Eldridge, we'll move now in our preview of Saturday's matchup with the VCU Rams. They'll come in, or uh, currently 8-2 and two on the season. They will play College of Charleston on Wednesday prior to coming to Wichita on Saturday. Joining us now to help preview the Rams is Wayne Epps Jr. He covers the team for the Richmond Times-Dispatch. How are you today?
0: Hey, doing well. How are you?
1: We sure appreciate you taking the time and look forward to another Great matchup with VCU on Saturday. These programs, uh, you know, have history going back all the way to the Bracket Busters game. So always enjoy when you see the Shockers and the Rams take on uh, each other on the court. Want to start off with just kind of a a general, in your opinion, how has the season gone thus far? Would you say it's gone about as expected? And as far as the overall confidence level of the team coming in on Saturday, where where do you see the team at uh, so far this season?
0: Yeah, I think more or less it has gone uh, as expected. Uh, of course, UCF was um, you know preseason top twenty-five. I uh, was in the was in the rankings the uh, first couple weeks of the season. Uh, then then uh, you know fell out after um, losing uh, two close games to uh, to Purdue and Tennessee in the Emerald Coast Classic. That was sort of their uh, Thanksgiving tournament a couple weeks ago. Um, lost the Tennessee game on a, on a buzzer beater, and, um, and, and and you know lost lost the Purdue game by three as well. So. Um, you know, you know, play well in those games, but overall, you know, it's been similar to last year where the defense has been the bedrock of everything. Uh, last year, they took a major league defensively. Um, you know, became one of the best defensive teams in the country, and they're kind of back to that that level this year. Uh, they've even kind of improved in certain areas where they're um, you know, sort of sort of sort of the uh, disruptive plays. Uh, the, their blocks are up, their steals are up. They're actually um, um, uh, tops in the country right now in uh, in uh, steal percentage. So. Uh, They're doing, you know, doing that at a higher clip than they were last year. So that's continued to sort of be the foundation. Uh, The offense, again, like last year, has also been sort of up and down, like it was last year. Um, uh, You know, they they want a little bit better scoring inside the arc. Sometimes they um, can live and die a little bit by 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 the three ball. um, uh, We're they shot better than they did last year. So they are trying to, you know, be a little bit more um, aggressive and and, uh, get better production inside the rim for some of their guards and wings. Uh, That's what they're looking for right now. But uh, Marcus Santos Silva. Uh, who went five 0 five uh against Wichita State in the game in, in Richmond last year. He's um kinda of continued to um to to, to, uh, to grow. He had sort of a breakout year last year, uh he's continued to play well this year. Um so he's he's sort of been a reliable scorer inside but they want a little bit more from the other players inside. So that's something they're kinda of looking for um this week as they um, you know play Charleston on Wednesday and then uh you know head to Wichita on Saturday.
2: You mentioned the turnovers. The Rams are forcing twenty per game from the opponents so you mentioned also that the steal percentage, the block percentage. Is this just a result of the just the the experience they have back from last year? What what makes that defense so special this year?
0: Yeah, I think it's, it's experience, uh, also combined with um, you know uh, great coaching, positioning, you know, putting those guys in a position to succeed, and also just the athleticism um, that, the, that the guys bring, like. Uh, all, all of the PCs you know, players are, can, you know, defend multiple positions. Even uh, Marcus Santos Silva as a five man, you know, he'll sometimes step out to, to the perimeter and, um, you know, uh, hop on a guard, you know, provide help defense on a guard. So, um, you know, all the guy, all their guys are versatile guys. And like you said, that experience, you know, these guys have played with each other for a while now. Uh, they trust each other. Like if somebody wants to go up and take a chance on a steal, they know they have the help defense on the backside to um to, to back them up. If, you know, things don't go, um, you know, the way that they want it on the end on that steal. So I think it's that comfortability, that experience, all that, uh, that kind of plays into uh, why they've been able to be so good in, in the steals and, and you know, plays like that.
1: Wayne, you brought up Santos Silva. Uh, they're also led in scoring by uh, redshirt senior guard Marcus Evans. Who could maybe be another, maybe under-the-radar player that you think could have an impact on this game on Saturday?
0: Um, I, I think uh, Keyshawn Curry, um, so a player who he's a sophomore now. Last year didn't play a whole lot as a freshman, but um, the time he did get, he kind of he really impressed. Uh, he's really uh, he's, he's really good at getting to the rim, uh, finding a way to you know some kind of way to get the you know go through you know two three defenders and get the ball inside. He's really really good at that. He's quick, uh, and this year he's getting more playing time in rotation. He's a regular guy off the bench now this year. Um, so you know he's a guy who can who, you know can impress. And I think um, you know BC is dealing with an injury to one of their uh, one of their guards of Lee Crowfield. Uh, he uh, suffered a broken bone in his wrist last week. Uh, so Keyshawn Curry and also um, Darontae Jenkins and Isaac Van, those three guys, I think, will shoulder um, Malik's minutes a little bit more. So um, Keyshawn. Um, actually played a season-high minutes, uh, 22 minutes uh, this past uh, Sunday against Missouri State, so I think he'll continue to play a, a tad bit more with Malik out, so you know, that'll give him an opportunity to maybe um, get a little bit more of a rhythm and uh, possibly um, have, have a you know a, a better game uh, so far this year. So he'll be sort of, I guess, an uh, um, under-radar player to watch.
2: You look at those three big games this season, LSU, Purdue, Tennessee, what have those teams done well against VCU's defense, and what would – in your mind, be the the key to, to breaking that pressure, and you know everyone's going to turn the ball over against that that type of pressure. That's just the way VCU does it. But what are the teams doing that have success against that that VCU defense?
0: Uh, I think um, you know uh, one um, you know getting the ball you know inside like VCU um, kind of defended it pretty pretty well overall, but. I think sometimes um, the trouble comes when uh, you know you know they're able to kind of get the ball inside to to one of their, their five men or a four men and um, score inside or something. Uh, I think um, you know uh, Purdue and, and uh, has had success with with their big guy Trevion Williams and um, uh, same thing with Tennessee. And Tennessee actually did they shoot the ball pretty well uh, against BCU, so um, it's, just been, it's been has been I guess sort of a little bit of defensive lapses I think have hurt BCU and also in those games. The two the two losses, VCU. um, That's when their offense uh, didn't really show up as much, um, and and that hurt them. You know, even when the defense did show up. So, um, I I think the thing, the thing that uh, you know really hurt VCU again. Those losses were were just um, the opposing team's defenses kind of stepping up and um, not letting VCU get in a rhythm. And um, like like I said, VCU's offense has sort of been up and down throughout the year. Um, And in both of those losses, they had sort of stretches where they weren't shooting the ball well. Uh, they were able to kind of recover, but it was a little bit uh, too, little too late. So um, I would say just uh, you know, the inside scoring and, and the offense was the two biggest things I heard in those losses.
1: Wayne, I mentioned the history between these two programs really over the last decade. Uh, had the game in Richmond last year, game in Wichita this year. From your perspective and, and your interactions with the VCU fan base, is this a, a rivalry or a series that they'd like to see continue? Um, or, uh, you know, is it maybe not as big of a matchup as maybe we make it in Wichita?
0: Yeah, I think I think so. I think um, there's a lot of good memories, uh, again, going back to, like, the Bracker Busters games and things like that. Um, my brother was talking about, actually, this week that, um, you know, the, the game, uh, you know, when uh, a few, several years ago, the Bracker Busters game in Wichita, uh, Joe Rodriguez had a couple of free throws uh, to push Bichu ahead and, uh, to win that game. He, he was an assistant at the time. I was now the head coach. He said that was uh, the loudest game he's ever been at, even louder than some of the um, the crazy games at the Siegel Center. So he said, you know, he couldn't he couldn't uh, hear what his you know fellow assistant coaches were saying on the bench, sitting right next to them. So uh, I think that you know both teams have had some battles um, in the games that they play. Uh, they're both, um, I think, sort of sort of uh, similar similar pedestal as far as mid major programs. We've had a lot of success over the years, a lot of tournament success. Um, so and BC is always one that wants to play quality teams of that of that uh, caliber. So. Uh, I definitely think that's something that uh, you know, obviously, presents itself. Um, you know, the fan base would love to see that. You know, these types of games continue.
2: Yeah, these are two NCAA tournament teams, in my opinion. So the matchup on Saturday, what's gonna, what does VCU have to do to come into Wichita and and quiet the Coke Arena crowd? What what are kind of some things that pop into your mind? Is how how is VCU gonna win on Saturday?
0: Uh, I think it's going to come down to, uh, again, the offense uh, showing up better. Um, the defense, again, has sort of been that consistent thing, but uh, if, we see, if we see they able to shoot the ball better uh, and get a little bit more of that inside scoring, going with uh, Marcus Santos Silva, get the inside-out game going, uh, I think that would be the key. Um, I think, the, again, I think the defense will kind of hold third, but um, there's, certain, like, there's certain times where the shooting doesn't show up um, and you know, it gets a team like Wichita State. You know, they can't afford to have a, a, a rough shooting game. They've had a couple this year, and it's hurt them. So, um, I think they just need to need to um, shoot the ball better. Uh, and and that will be the key uh, for them, you know, to have success, uh, and, which, uh, and, and especially in a tough environment.
1: It'll be an early tip on Saturday, 11 a.m. Central Time. Game will be broadcast on ESPN Two, and as we've mentioned, should be a great atmosphere with two great teams. For our listeners, you can follow Wayne on Twitter at Wayne Epps Jr. You can also read his work at Richmond dot com. Thanks so much, Wayne. Thank
0: you. I, pr- I appreciate it.
1: We'll move now into our own preview of Saturday's matchup with VCU. As I mentioned, they are 8 and 2 on the year, but we'll play College of Charleston on Wednesday. Best wins probably over LSU, 84-82. They do have the two losses to Purdue and Tennessee, both of which were very close. Taylor, we you know already heard Uh, A little bit from Wayne, but I think when it comes to this game, it really comes down to, uh, you know, which team is able to uh, affect the other. So will Wichita State be able to handle the pressure or with a tough environment and a, you know, hot shooting team over these last few weeks, are they able to keep the offensive production going well?
2: Yeah, you look at this and these are honestly two of the better defenses in the country and I feel like we've said that multiple times now. I mean, the, the schedule that WSU has played has really pitted them against a couple of elite defenses and so far WSU has come out on top in two of those three. And uh, VSU though, that's a completely different defense compared to West Virginia, Oklahoma State, uh, teams like that. So, uh, you probably have heard of the havoc defense. They press a lot, uh, probably more than any team in the college basketball. They force a ton of turnovers. They're number two in turnover percentage, number one in steal percentage on Ken Palm, and they block a lot of shots. You know, even if you beat that press and you get down in your half court offense and you drive, you know, VCU has stocked with a ton of big time athletes, and that can protect the rim. So, really tough to score against these guys. Um, what Marshall talked about uh, on his coach's show on Monday was you have to win those opportunity basketball plays. And, you know, when you do beat the press, you're going to find yourselves in three-on-two, two-on-one situations. And WSU has got to convert those in a a timely manner. It's not like you can think about the decisions. You just got to get it and go and make those split-second decisions because that's all you're going to get against VCU. And, you know, WSU is going to get open looks in this game. And I think that this might be a Dexter Dennis breakout game because... I mean, there's going to be a lot of those blo- broken floor situations. A lot of uh, you know chances where Dexter's going to catch it, maybe pass half court, maybe the three point line, and no one's going to be on him. And I think with his athletic ability, his ability to drive and just elevate and, and get over people, we might see a big Dexter Dennis dunk. But I think this game really sets up well for him. And wsu has got to take care of the ball. You know, they're going to turn the ball over. There's no doubt about this. But you know, limiting turnovers. I think JB is going to be on the ball more just because he's got that 6'4 height um, advantage over Shurfield. But, you know, WSU is going to have to be very careful with the ball, get rid of the ball quick, keep the ball centered, and not let the VCU trap them near the sideline. So, those are kind of the keys uh, to solving that press. Rebounding has been such a big key for the Shockers really since
1: the game against West Virginia it down in Mexico. Here's an interesting stat for you: the Rams are actually negative in rebounding margin versus their opponent. They're uh, negative four point five on rebounds, and so they, they don't necessarily have the height that Wichita State has, and so might be some opportunities down low for Echenique and some of those other guys as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, their, their center Marcus Santos Silva. I mean, he's only six seven. The power forward is six six, and. You know, backups, you know, they don't go anyone bigger than 6'8". So, yes, Echenique is going to have a huge height advantage, meat guard, even poor Bear Chandler, like all four of those guys, Udeze. um, And, you know, they give up so many offensive rebounds because they're they're scattered so far on the floor, and uh, they really just gamble that they can turn the ball over Get you to take a quick bad shot and just speed opponents up and you know that is where they're vulnerable is that you can hurt them on the offensive glass and we've seen wsu do it two sh- two weeks in a row and you know trey wade he might he might just go to town he might have a, he might have 10 offensive rebounds in this game and uh, just the way he attacks the glass he's just a dog you know going after the ball and you know, he just wants it more and uh, yeah this is a game where wsu should win the rebounding battle once again but, you know, the question is going to be how many threes can they make and how many turnovers are they going to have? VCU beat
1: Wichita State 70-54 to last year on December 22nd, so they'll actually be playing 364 days later in Wichita. Important to point out that the Rams have not won away from home this year. Their two losses were... We're on a neutral court. They've not played an away game so far this year. All eight wins coming uh, at VCU. Now, they will have an away game on Wednesday. So, you know, between now and Wichita, there will be an away game. But just something to kind of keep an eye out on there.
2: Yeah, I think that's interesting, too, that, you know, WSU gets a week of rest. Uh, They took Sunday Monday off, but they're going to have four full days to, to turn their attention to VCU prepare for that press while VCU, you know, that's going to be, you know, not a super quick turnaround, but it is a turnaround for them or, you know, they're going to be in Charleston and they're going to have to come from the East coast to the Midwest. Exactly. And they're not going to have as many days to prepare for which start on a Saturday. Yeah. So, I mean, we've seen the advantage the last two weeks that that Marshall has had, you know, preparing with a week uh, basically in preparation. I know before the the Oklahoma State game they played, um, but you know basically that week they knew they're were, they're were gonna have to prepare for Oklahoma State. So uh, Marshall has really taken advantage of those you know four or five uh, days of uh, practice uh, going in before a game, and uh, I think we'll see that advantage play out on Saturday as well. Shockers are Ken Palm ranked
1: number 34. VCU is Kin Pom ranked number 42. So pretty evenly matched. Game here, right near each other in the polls. What are your biggest keys to the game, and ultimately a prediction?
2: Yeah, it's just going to be it's going to come down to how Wichita State handles that pressure. You know, if they can keep turnovers under you know about twenty, they're going to be doing well. I think you know they're they're probably going to target closer to ten. They have handled the ball very well this season, but. I don't think, I mean, they clearly haven't seen a defense like VCU and with so many freshmen, sophomore ball handlers, I think that it's just inevitable that they're going to turn the ball over more than their average, but, you know, they can still hurt VCU in other ways. Like I said, offensive rebound, uh, playing that opportunity basketball, they're going to get a ton of wide open looks. Uh, You know, if they're smart, they can turn those into wide open threes. You know, Eric Stevenson, Dexter Dennis, Tyson, ATN, these are guys that thrive off those open threes, so... Might see a big game from them. Uh, And then in the half court, you know, get the ball down low. Get the ball to uh, Jaime Echenique, play off of him. And then, you know, Eric Stevenson, he's just been on a roll lately, AAC Player of the Week after his performance against OU. And, you know, you're starting to see that consistency. He's starting to shoot, I think, in his last four or five games. He's close to 40% from three. That's exactly what WSU needs. He's been the leading scorer all year. So that consistency is huge for a team like this that, that needs him. But, yeah, I think it's just, you know, uh, hurt them on the offensive glass, take advantage of those wide-open threes, and, you know, limit your turnovers. Try to get them, you know, as close to 15 as possible. And I think those are, that's the way you beat VCU. Probably be a lower-scoring game just from the sheer amount of turnovers and, and the focus
1: on defense that both teams will have. You know, I will say I think this will be a interesting case study for the article that you just posted this week about the attendance so far this year because this is the— first, or maybe the one of three games that are are must-sees at Koch Arena this year, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And uh, yeah, you mentioned the story I did this week uh, about the attendance issues at Coke Arena this season, and you know, you look at the uh, the average attendance. You you would be like, why why are you writing a story about that? They're still averaging over ten thousand fans per game. But I did a little digging, got the scanned attendance from WSU, basically the actual attendance who who goes to the game. The average attendance they put on box scores that's just tickets sold, not necessarily how many people are coming to the game. So. The, the average of people coming to games is actually about 6,400 and uh, a huge disparity there. So you have like 36 tickets, 30% of the tickets going unused. And uh, you look at the schedule, you know, is it is it just the, the lack of quality opponent? You know, how hard is it to get casual fans into to Gardner-Webb and Central Arkansas and um, teams like that, Nebraska, Omaha. So it's tough to sell to the casual fan. Like you said, now the schedules, you know, is upgraded. Uh, you got OU at Interest Bank Arena. You have VCU coming up. Uh, Ole Miss, Memphis, and then you get into the teeth of that AAC schedule, where it's no easy games from there on out. So I think it will be interesting to to see. You know, it's obviously going to jump. How far will it jump? You know, back in the heyday, they were averaging about you know high. 8,000s in uh, scanned attendance. Um, even in that first year in the AAC, it was about 8,400. So we'll d- jump back up to that now that WSU is winning again. Or is it going to be kind of a trend? Last season, it was just 7,000 per game. So going to be somewhere in the 7,000s this year. So that's something to monitor. I'll probably check back up on that again at the end of the season to kind of you know show if, if it changed, how much it changed, stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I'm curious on this one. You think the 11 a.m. 11 a. tip off does that affect things at all? Does that make it more more difficult or, or easier because it's uh, earlier on a on a Saturday? I think it's going to be
1: a great crowd on Saturday. I think this is a game folks have been looking forward to. It's no longer college football season. You don't have a bunch of bowls and things going on on Saturday as far as the regular season is concerned. Uh, and, you know, this, this is what we've been clamoring for, a, a big-time, you know, top-25 caliber non-conference opponent who's willing to come and play at Coke Arena. So I, I think without a doubt, regardless of the start time, regardless of the weather, it'll be fine.
2: Yeah, and even without a, you know, I I still have thought that the the Coke Arena crowd has been, you know, very good at times, and you know when WSU goes on runs in these games, it's still loud in Coke Arena, so it's not like, you know, it's been a huge difference. Uh, but I think when when fans go to games and they look up and they see a bunch of empty seats, you know, at the top of the student section, in the upper upper half of the bowl, and even the lower bowl, you see a lot of those uh, those corporate seats kind of empty and. Um, it is noticeable, but I think that when WSU goes on these runs, that Coke Arena crowd is still pretty electric. So, uh, yeah, I can't wait to, to hear it when it's you know almost full strength. Uh, you know, you think back in the last last couple years and these uh, clutch AAC games coming down the stretch, they've had some really really cool moments. Um, Temple so, a couple years ago, yeah, like,
1: certainly been a lot of moments in there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, moments like that—that's what we're about to start getting for the rest of the season, so I'm, I'm looking forward to, to hearing Coke Arena back close to its, uh, you know, 100% um, you know electricity, I guess. It also sounds like the main thing is just
1: giving away the tickets. So there's been, you know, the, the tickets have been purchased, but just getting them into the right hands, getting them into people that will come to the games. I'm gonna do my part as I will be gone. I'm gonna be in Chicago this weekend, so we're gonna to have to turn into the deuce to watch the game, but uh, be cheering on the Chiefs against the Bears. So yeah, should be that should fun. be a good one. Take a picture by the bean. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, so I think that's uh, like you said. I mean, it's not they're not having problems selling tickets, although uh, kind of one of those little tricks that universities do is you know WSU wants to continue this 10,000 uh, fan streak that they have it's been going for 15 years now so kind of a little trick and this isn't just WSU this is every school in America um, I mean I know KU does it too is that they'll sell uh, a certain allotment of tickets to their ticket partners like in this instance it would be StubHub for WSU so you know if they feel like that that 10,000 seat streak is in jeopardy they'll sell just enough to get over that 10,000 seat and um that's how they continue the streak and you know those tickets for the most part are going unsold on StubHub so it's not I don't know if how much of it is just actual people not giving away their tickets as much as just WSU selling a bunch of tickets to StubHub and people not buying them but you know you go on there and you know you can find tickets for under uh you know under 40 bucks and you know it does add up if you want to actually sit in a good seat so that's something that that was brought to the attention of the WSU athletic department and I think Bo Wright was um, you know pretty receptive to that and you know he wasn't going to commit to it going forward but I think that is a, a serious question facing all athletic departments uh, in the country is you know making things more affordable for families that, that want to come out you know how much mo- how much mo- what is the importance of getting just butts in the seats opposed to actually selling the tickets and then not having the fans uh, you know selling the tickets to the secondary market and not having fans buy them there and not showing up so I think that a lot of college uh College basketball teams are gonna come to grips with that, and you know, lower those ticket prices, and uh, even if that means you know losing x percent of uh, profit on those, you're getting more people to your arena. You're getting, you know, uh, you know, you're you're selling more merchandise. You're you know, you know, you're more trying, nachos. Yeah, you're trying to tr- attract you know fans to come back. So. I think that's the uh, the biggest key for for college teams trying to to build that fan base and you know make that kind of created an experience. Yeah, in game have a halftime show. <laughs> yeah, that's that's something that was mentioned as well. <laughs> Buy yourself time,
3: producer Brian. All right, so my my first one we kind of have spent some time we talked about the net rankings uh, Wichita State starting out at 14. However, I want to go to the human polls, the AP and the coaches polls. So my question for you. Is in regards to where they should be right now. We know they're getting votes, but should Wichita State already be in the top twenty-five at this time? Buy or sell?
2: I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and uh, sell that. I think that they are where they should be. I think, yeah, you know, the wins over OU, over Oklahoma State, uh, they are great, but you know, you look at where where they are in, in advanced metrics, and you know, neither of those teams are in the top twenty-five, so. Yes, W. S. U. has a pair of uh, of good wins, but you know those are wins in the 30s and the in the early 40s. So, and they also have a loss to West Virginia, who I believe is just just ranked. So, I think right outside of the top 25 is about where they belong. And obviously, if they beat V. C. U., they're they're probably going to jump in.
1: I'm going to sell it as well. I agree they're right where they thought they were, although I will say these preseason polls sometimes have too much of an impact on where these teams move throughout the season. You see it more with college football than you do college basketball, but sometimes where you start off in that preseason poll, it takes a while to either move
3: you out or or move you into those polls once the season starts. Now we've got through two of the key games, which we talked about uh, earlier in an episode. We talked about the Oklahoma State-Oklahoma VCU and Ole Miss games being that key stretch of four games for the Shockers. Well, now they've already checked two boxes on it, beating the Big 12 schools from Oklahoma. So buy or sell, Wichita State is able to end the non-conference with one loss.
1: I'm going to buy that. Because I think they're going to beat VCU with a great atmosphere on Saturday, and I don't think Old Miss is anywhere close to these other two, or, you know, two teams that they've already beat and the team that they'll see on Saturday. So I will buy that, going in twelve and one.
2: I'll buy it as well. I'm I'm kind of all in on this WSU team right now. The way that they're playing, uh, the way the defense is uh, bringing in every game, and uh, I agree with Dustin. I think the VCU game that's the key. I think I don't think they'll have a problem with Old Miss coming in January. Um, but, yeah, if they get this one Saturday, I do think they'll, they'll end uh, the non-conference at 12-1. and 1. Also, I'm doing the Coach for a Day package against Old Miss, and so I can't have
3: my career coaching record be 0-1. Oh, wow. So we're I might, beating, I might we're beating it, the Rebels. <laughs> 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 they might actually lose if you know. Dustin's coaching. <laughs> All right, so we talked some about Dexter Dennis trying to break out of his slump. In the last couple of games, he has made a three-pointer. He has missed... You know, the percentages still aren't there, but against Oklahoma, we definitely saw him go 6-for-6 from the free throw line. Able to nail those clutch free throws down the stretch. So my question for you here is, buy or sell, Dexter Dennis breaks out before the
2: calendar flips to 2020. I'll buy that. Like I mentioned in the VCU preview, I think that this sets up for a big game for Dexter on Saturday against VCU's Pressure. You know, when WSU breaks that press, they're going to have, you know, VCU scattered all across the floor, and they're going to have those opportunistic uh, situations. And, you know, I think De- uh, Dexter, uh, we might see a, a highlight reel dunk from him with uh, open floor situations like that. So I think he definitely gets double digits before the, the new year, and I think it happens this weekend.
1: I'll buy it. Um,. I think Taylor brings up a lot of good points. You also have the game against Abilene Christian, which hopefully that's a get-right-or-get-healthy get, get, right or get healthy type game for a lot of different players.
3: All right, and finally, uh, this one's going to go a little bit wider to around the American Athletic Conference. But before the season, we talked about where Wichita State would be pegged. They're picked fourth in the conference. I felt like they would probably end up third, but and I wasn't sure who was going to be. It could have been Memphis with all those freshmen. It could have been Cincinnati because of a new coach and maybe Houston losing those key players to graduation last year. But I felt like somebody wasn't going to quite meet expectations and was going to slip behind the Shockers. However, we've seen Houston struggle. They lost to Oklahoma State at home, a team that Wichita State has beaten by 19 points on the road already. And we've seen Cincinnati inexplicably has four losses right now, including a home loss to Colgate and probably one of the most uh, anticlimactic fashions possible. So I'm going to give you the option here. Who do you feel like is more disappointing early in the in the non-conference season? Is it Houston or Cincinnati?
1: I'm going to buy Cincinnati anytime you lose to a school that's named after toothpaste. That is not good. So I'll just take Cincy. they got a new coach. They've struggled a little bit.
2: Not good. Yeah, if anyone hasn't watched how they lost that game, you should Google Jaron Cumberland and watch that clip as he throws up a three-quarters court heave with six seconds left in a tied game, and then Cincinnati fouls the rebounder and loses and man they, they put three straight overtime games earlier in the season against you know not great competition they have four not great losses so they yeah they're just not looking good but for argument's sake i'll go ahead and buy houston this is a team that i thought had a chance to to win the american to be better than memphis and uh, i didn't end up picking them before the season um but Man, I, I thought they really had a shot, and you know, losing at home on a buzzer beater against B BYU was disappointing. But uh, as Brian mentioned, uh, this last weekend's loss uh, against Oklahoma State at home probably even more disappointing. Especially you know uh, when WSU beat them on the road by 19, uh, you would expect Houston to be able to hold court on uh, at home, and you know the uh, Oklahoma State they still didn't have likely on that in that game, so. Uh, is basically the same team WSU beat by 19. So that's a disappointing loss for a team that I thought could contend for the championship. Houston has been pretty underwhelming. Uh, their best win, you know, South Carolina, which is, as we saw, not great. Uh, they beat them by 20 uh, on the road. But, you know, going into the AAC, I mean, they're not looking very impressive and they don't really have a chance, uh, they don't really have a game. Uh, to change my mind on that. So, um, you know, we're they're going to be kind of a question mark going into AAC play. So, I'll go ahead and buy Houston because I thought that was a team that that could win the conference. It's our last show before the holidays here, and only just
1: a few more weeks left in non-con. Only three games, and then we'll be having the AAC preview and and right in the neck of conference season. But just for fun, if you could ask you both of you, if you could get this shocker team one thing for Christmas, what would it be?
2: Mm, one thing probably experience i think this is a team that that is ahead of schedule for where they are where they're supposed to be but you know if they they just had you know all these guys just fast forward them one more year i think that's the the thing i mean that just shows you how exciting that the next two years will be with with this core group um but man you know they're they're making things fun right now probably a year ahead of schedule but i think they have the pieces. Maybe a backup power forward. I guess you know. Maybe some some more size of power forward. They're basically playing Dexter Dennis as a backup four now. So that's kind of the the basketball thing. But you know this roster is so flexible. They can play so many different lineups. Um, I think they're good there. But I think uh, the experience and then maybe a backup big, uh, a little bit more reliable.
3: My mine is uh, is pretty simple. I just want you to fill my stocking with Dexter Dennis's confidence from his freshman <laughs> year. That's that's it cuz if you have if you have the 40% three-point shooter and the way he had that swag last year to hit game-winning shots against Tulane with that quick release and the way he would just hound people on defense. I mean, we've had good wins already with him struggling. They would be taking teams to the woodshed this year if he if he gets that, once he gets that confidence back and that swag back, and I, I think it's coming at some point. I have to believe that it's in there uh, just because I, I think he's got that ability. But, I mean, when they get to that point, they'll be taking, NC, they could take NCAA tournament teams to the woodshed with, with a confident Dexter Dennis. Yeah,
2: Brian's pick was way better than mine. That's exactly <laughs> what this team needs. Imagine a four where you have Etienne, Forty-six percent three-point shooter, Dennis, forty percent three-point shooter. The way that Eric Stevenson is playing right now, and then you have you know Trey Wade, uh, you know going for offensive rebounds, and Shurfielder Burton at point guard. That would be a, a scary, scary lineup. So and Etchenique. Yeah, yeah. Just depending on who you want to play out there. Yeah, that's a that's a killer lineup. So yeah, that's um, that would open up even more possibilities for WSU if Dennis starts hitting like he did uh, last year.
3: That's a Wichita State death lineup right there.
2: One that I had, I'd like to see the
1: three-headed monster of Midgard, Udeze, and Poor Bear Chandler. Just one of those guys step up and play a little bit more consistent, consistently. Consistently, uh, if you think you just get a little bit more from that second big man that's in there, that second five, then that really changes how this team looks as well.
2: Yeah, I think that's uh, that's the key, and that's you know kind of a preview for next year. Is you know what is this team going to do with Echenique? And I know, I mean, there's still a ton of season left to go. But one thing I want to see more of from WSU or I would love to see is for them to go small and to play Trey Wade at the 5 and play Dexter Dennis at the 4 and you know put those three guards out there and uh that would be... might see that as soon as Saturday because I mean VCU is very athletic we Absolutely. already talked
1: about their height you know we saw against OU Echenique struggle with some of those bigs that could move around a little bit more so I mean you know, could we see something yeah Marshall we'll
2: Marshall went to that lineup in the last like 90 seconds against uh, OU uh so they could switch everything on defense and That's where, you know, WSU's defense has the most problems is, you know, those hard hedges up top and uh, trying to recover because, you know, teams get them in rotations. And that's exactly what defenses don't want to do to rely on rotations. So I think if you go to Wade at the center, you can switch everything. Um, You know, you probably don't want Tyson ATN. Maybe you can... Uh, you know find a way around that but I think that just opens up de- WSU's defensive versatility and you know this is a top 10 defense we're talking about so this is nitpicking at this point they're obviously playing very very well the way they are but I would like to see more Trey Wade at center to open up that versatility and you know that's uh, if we get Brian's wish that's that's a death lineup possibility if Dexter Dennis starts hitting threes because you can put him Etienne in the corners, then have Eric Stevenson and whatever point guard you have out there, kind of trading off, running the pick and roll, and and then uh, have Wade setting the screens. So that that would be really really fun to watch and open up a lot of possibilities. So, um, but yeah, I mean, hopefully one of those centers get things going. We've seen flashes from all three of them, uh, Udeze uh, in this last game, but. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that develops and um, who kind of, you know, steps up as that, that second off the bench. Well, we are certainly thankful for everyone who listens throughout the year. We hope you have a wonderful holiday
1: season with the family, full of some more shocker wins. We'll be back next week. We'll get you ready for Abilene Christian. We'll also have the first conference game of the year. They open up at home against ECU, and then we'll have the final non-con game against a What do you got to do Taylor? Got to rate us five
3: stars please.